Welcome to the Hockey Town West podcast. Here to talk all things Griffins, Firebirds, and Walleye are your hosts, Nick Harrington and Brandon Cook. Wow, what a crazy weekend. Right? What a crazy last four hours. <laughs> I was asleep, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, you 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 took a nap and everything changed with the Griffins landscape. Uh, pretty quickly here. <laughs> <I did. laughs> uh, so we're not even waste much time getting like into this. I'm just gonna go right into the intro here and say, "Welcome to Hockey Town West podcast." I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. I'm Nick, and I'm still sick. <laughs> I just cannot beat this thing. This guy has to hurry up and get healthy. We got playoffs to talk about here coming up. At least for we got team. playoffs to go to. Heck yeah, we do. So let's just dive into this, man. Griffins announced today, Don Horkoff and the management team have decided to move on from not just Ben Simon, but multiple coaches on the staff at this point. Some that surprised me, some that don't surprise me. Yeah, do you want to go through the list of people that are not going to be renewed for next year? Head coach Ben Simon, assistant coaches Matt McDonald and Todd Krieger, and goaltending development coach Brian Mahoney-Wilson. That's the one that shocks me the most is uh, Brian's departure from the team. Who's Brian? Mahoney? Yeah. yeah that, the goal to, yeah, I didn't anticipate a goal to, our goaltending coach uh, being changed. Really? That, uh, I mean, I guess the goaltending has been pretty shaky this year. But I mean, I'm not surprised by that no, at all. I just didn't see it coming. No, you're not? No, I, I would assume so. I mean, we, they shuffled through so many coaches, and who's he left? So, I mean, that was kind of weird for your goal, t- your backup goaltender to leave halfway through the season. Like, even with the dead situation coming down, but that's still, that's still very odd. You know, I honestly forgot about Okunara's departure midway through the season and how suspect that was. And I didn't really think anything of it at the time, but now seeing this, I'm like, oh, was there something there? Maybe, I don't know, but I, I mean, it just, I, I just feel like that's so strange. Especially when they kind of shuffle through goalies, and especially even at the end of the season, but with all the tryouts and stuff like that. Yeah, and we've shuffled through these goalies, and look at a goalie, for example, like Letheman. You know, we'll get into this when we talk about this weekend's games a little more, but he was extremely successful in the ECHL. And came here, had a couple good games at the beginning, and then has been extremely shaky. Uh, in the last couple weeks, and I just don't understand fully what's happening with that there because he is an extremely talented goaltender who shouldn't be experiencing what he's going through right now. So, I mean, yeah, Mahoney Wilson getting canned, I guess, makes sense the more I think about it, except I wasn't thinking about it when this came out when I was at work today. Yeah, the it, the, the weird part is Mike Kadubel is still, he's still there. Yeah, that... I don't entirely disagree with him saying, and I don't. I don't necessarily have an opinion on that. I guess um, I don't know in full what part of the team he was in charge of. Whether you know assistant coaches will be special teams or you know whatever aspect of the coaching they might bring bring into the table. If he was power play or penalty kill, I don't understand why they would keep him. Um, Horkoff and Eiserman both see there's something there with him staying on the team still. And not having a complete overhaul, I guess. Maybe he's on thin ice next season. Who knows? Yeah, very strange. I mean, if he, he was part of special teams, their special teams wasn't that great 
for Grand Rapids for the season. No, it was. I mean, it it got better at the end there. I don't know if that's, you know, to say maybe that's Chase on and Lespie, you know, stepping up their game when it came to how they performed on the power play and everything. Uh, but yeah, oof. I don't know where we ranked in the league either, specifically, when it came to that. I can check here real quick. Yeah, pull that up real quick. Um, yeah, I'm going to. So, for the... Sorry, please bear with me. One second. For the power play overall, we ranked 25th out of 32 in the league. Um, so, yikes. And then penalty killing overall, we ranked 29th out of 32, which is god-awful. So, but we're, we're not sure he was running that. Is that correct? I'm not sure what what aspect of the team he's uh, in charge of now. Um, and seeing that those two stats are that low, I can only assume that Matt McDonald and Todd Kuzler were in charge of those as well. It's crazy. Though, but I, I'm just looking at this. The bottom three teams in the penalty kill and in the AHL are all playoff teams. Crazy. Crazy. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. That's so strange. Yeah, I mean, Matt McDonald and Todd Krieger, I don't know too much about, honestly. it's uh, That's the fault of my own for not doing a ton of research when it comes to those two. But did they really bring anything to the table? <laughs> well, the next coaches that come in, we'll, have, we'll know a lot of more information about. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We guarantee that. I mean, I can tell you this, that Todd Krieger's been with the team since 2019-2020 season. He's been the assistant coach that entire time. He came from Western before he got to us, and then, yeah, he's been with us since then. And then, who's there? Matt, uh, Matt McDonald here as well. He's been with the team now since 2018-2019 season. Interesting. It's all very interesting. They did not waste any time with the offseason to make this announcement and make these changes. Nor should they have. I mean, I. This was a, such a terrible season. I mean, they they didn't finish five hundred. They were mathematically still in the playoffs until the very very end, but they were eliminated two three months ago. People were calling for change. I mean, my ticket rep reached out to me. It's like, hey, um, you know, she's working on some jerseys for me that need to get signed and sent back to Detroit and everything. And she's like, hey, is there anything we could do to, you know, I noticed you haven't re-upped your tickets. I'm like, well, honestly, some things need to change. I mean, the 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 product on the ice was not great this year. And if things have changed, then maybe I'll consider re-upping tickets. And it was kind of like what we had heard throughout the season. People were all kind of like, there were a lot of people that were like that. Yeah, I think I think this announcement's going to help with the ticket sales for next year automatically. I think a lot of us were fed up when it came to what the product the coaching staff was providing us was. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I mean, there's other things, too, like fan experience wasn't great either, but I mean, that, I feel like they were getting better with that. Yeah, we're getting better over time, for sure. I mean, we obviously, we've already talked about Mahoney Wilson. We've talked about Krieger and McDonald getting canned, but I mean, Ben Simon is the key focus here, and we haven't really said much about that yet. Obviously, we've said quite a bit about him throughout the season. Thoughts? Opinions? I mean, I was just mad that I wasn't able to use my sign this year that said, uh, Simon, this is not part of the Iser plan. <laughs> yeah, that would have been, uh, that was a good one. I wish you would have gotten that to a game. 
That would have been great for the last game of the season after how things turned out. But, I mean, he was a 500 coach. He took over. I'm not surprised by the announcement based off of how the season went. I'm not surprised based off of what Steve Eisenman said at his presser. Like, he was disappointed in the season that Grand Rapids had. With that being said, like, I knew change was going to come. I just didn't know in what form and and how, and how fast, I guess. So I'm excited to see who they bring. I'm hoping Dean Watson from Toledo. But I know there's some other guys in the mix, too, that we'll talk about in the next coming weeks. Yeah, I think all signs point to Dan Watson. Uh, if Basically, if the job is offered, or if he wants the job, it's his. It's, it's, it's the way I'm going to look at it right now. If he wants to come to Grand Rapids and coach, I'm pretty sure they'll say yes. Um, I mean, for just for me to touch on, you know, the Ben Simon piece for a second, it's, you know, a lot of fans dislike him the way the past couple seasons have gone, missing the playoffs and all this stuff. There's one piece of Ben Simon's tenure that can't be denied and what he is good at, and that was player development. So, I mean, I do have to say thank you to him for that when it comes to that, but everything else, especially his in-game decision-making, it was, was horrible. Um, I mean, just look at the lines that he put on the ice the past couple, or the last couple of games here. None of it made sense whatsoever when you're looking at it on paper. So, and I think you and I saw a trend of that throughout the season or when we see the blender going during a game and you're just moving people around left and right. You just didn't really know what to expect with him. And I don't think anybody on the team liked that. And I know the fans didn't as well. So sucks uh, for him that he's gone. I'm sure he'll find a landing spot somewhere. Uh, and we'll go from there on, on the coaching search begins for Grand Rapids. I, f- I feel like we were really dealing with a Jeff Blaschel 2.0 over here. Like we had the blender. He didn't have great cat. Like his press conferences weren't great either. Like he was just kind of short. He didn't really know what to say. A lot of the times, like he was just struggling. I don't know. That was, that's kind of my take of, watching him this season and just his persona i didn't watch too many of those post game uh, press conferences throughout the season but i watched the last one and the last home game i should say not the last game of the season but yeah you're right he doesn't know what to say um and it's it's really obvious that once the team really started to slide away from him he he he'd lost his touch he he didn't know what to do and he was trying to do whatever he, he was throwing everything out there to see what could stand Occasionally would get lucky, and most of the time not very lucky. So it's, again, it sucks for him, but it's a positive for us at this point. It's a very early positive season that I think will help a lot of fans renew next year or just ease their negative thoughts about what next year might look like. Because now I'm thinking only positive. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I could tell you that I'm, way looking more forward to next season now than I was previously with new coach coming in it's exciting for us hopefully like they don't overthink it but um I've I've been making a list of some coaches that we'll take a look at throughout the offseason until they hire somebody so I'll be on the lookout for that I think what what I've seen posted around you know through people talking on Twitter about this just different hockey analysts and stuff like that it seems like a lot of AHL coaches got, you know, a year of forgiveness after the COVID year because no one really knew development-wise what a lot of players would be looking like and everything like that and what the teams would look like. 
So last year was kind of forgiven, which last year was the first full year of, you know, Iserman and Horkoff running this organization or being in charge of this organization. But now that they've seen a full year of what Ben Simon and his staff had to bring to the table, because they inherited these coaches, they didn't hire these coaches. Uh, they clearly didn't like what they saw and addressed it quickly. So I appreciate that. I do too. And it's not unlike Steve to wait till the end of the season to fire a coach. Yeah, you called that midway through the season. I kept I kept calling for it to be happen midway through, and you kept telling me left and right, you know, Eisenman doesn't do that. Eisenman doesn't do that. Well, yeah, he doesn't do that clearly unless it was probably a dire situation. But he let it ride out so it would happen, and I just hope we don't lose any key development time with some of these players uh, that might have been wasted on what was being put on the ice. I don't think so. Like I said, he was good at development, so I don't think we're missing out that aspect, but we're definitely missing out on these playoffs. <laughs> but to move on from that departure for the team, which is a positive one in most uh, aspects, to move on to a sadder one here, uh, Mr. Brian Lashoff announced his retirement. After 14 years with the team in the organization, you know, he, it's, uh, it's been a crazy ride for him, and he's he's done. He's, he's hanging up the skates for good. Yeah, I mean, he was your captain. I mean, you've been here in the city longer than I have, so, I mean, you could speak more highly and more notably about Brian Lashoff than I would ever be able to. I only remember his time at, as like as when he was with the Wings. Yeah, that was a few years ago. His profile here, he was back with the Wings in 2012 through about 2015, 2017. He had a couple games too, but uh, his longest stint with the team was 2013-2014 season. He played 75 games with the, with the Red Wings, which is crazy. I don't even remember that at this point. Uh, you know, he was the captain. He's only he's only been the captain since 2020-2021 uh, season, actually. He's only been the captain for three years, but it feels like he's been the captain for so much longer. He was promoted to assistant captain in 2015 and rode that out all the way through the Jeff Hogan era. Obviously, Brian Lashoff meant the world to the fan base, the team, and everybody around him. I mean, for the city's mayor to go ahead and declare it Brian Lashoff Day on Friday on his last home game day um, tells you pretty much everything you need to know about what he's done for the city, the team, the community, the organization, everything. It's It sucks, but yeah, he, he recognized, you know, his body's not as young as it used to be, and he can't do the things he used to be able to do. And that's it. Friday they did his uh, his going away ceremony at the beginning of the game, uh, which was very, very, very well handled by the organization in such a short amount of time. I think he announced that Wednesday, and to turn around and do what they did for him uh, by Friday was amazing. And, you know, obviously we're going to talk about that game, but uh, after the game, seeing, you know, the Ice Hogs players stay on the ice Make sure every single one of them shook his hand. The ref shook his hand. Every player from the Griffins out there with them, making sure they get that, you know, one last moment on the ice with them. And then as they all skated off, Flash just kind of stood there leaning against his stick and taking it all in. And you could tell he was uh, quite emotional about it. And I don't think there was uh, there wasn't many dry eyes around him of people that like or have been around him forever and enjoyed watching him and have such passion for him as a fan. I definitely saw a few tears rolling down to people's faces. Uh, had to hold a couple back myself, honestly. I mean, he's, he's such a key yeah. part of this organization and he has been for so long. He's, he's, you know, Mr. Reliable. He's, he's always there. And I think the exciting part now, when I look at lash off is he's definitely set himself up to stay within this organization in a front office role or for all 
we at this point a coaching role. I mean, his name has been tossed around today as an assistant coach um, after all these changes. And honestly, if he's one of the two assistants they bring back and they still have, you know, Knubel on the bench and other ones around him for a defensive coach, I am all for it. Bring him back as that. I love that idea. Yeah. I think the team would take well to it. I think the prospects would take well to it. You know, kind of like the wings have Cronwell within the organization still working with the defense. I think Lash could bring a lot to the table when it comes to that too. So, and I think even, you know, you look at his every post game presser he's had or every media moment he's had since his retirement press conference, uh, he's basically selling himself to that point to where he wants to, he wants to be in a role like that with the organization. He's making it pretty clear. It's pretty obvious that he wants to do something still. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that next. Yeah, we have a lot of young Dima coming up, so it'll be good for Lashoff to be able to take him under his wing and get him going. I, I kind of felt like he was the one really developing people behind the scenes, and it wasn't Ben Simon, but... It's, it's, it's hard to tell. I've always thought that. I just thought it was kind of interesting. <laughs> oh, who said it? I'm trying to remember exactly who said it. I think, I think it was Elaine from Full Press. Uh, she had mentioned, too, the same thing that she thought she had that Lashoff was basically just putting himself out there in every single one of his press conferences. So I'm I'm excited to see what's next for him. Um, and if he doesn't do anything with it, we know he's got a sick new set of golf clubs to hit the course with that the team gave him. And hopefully one day I run out, run into him out in that golf <laughs> yeah. course. So, so anything else you want to add to Mr. Lashoff's retirement? No, I'm happy for him. I was glad to meet him when we did the autograph signings and he was really cool. He, you know, he, he laughed, he chuckled when we talked to him, and he signed our stuff, and he had a big smile on his face. So, I mean, you could tell, you know, he was just happy, and it was, he, he knew it was his time coming, that he was he was ready to be done. I don't know. I, I'm glad to see it. It's funny, because literally the last podcast we talked about, how are we, how are we going to maneuver all these defensemen that are coming to the system, and then Brian <laughs> retires the next day. <laughs> it's like... Well, there goes one guy right out of the lineup. So, no, I'm happy for him. I think the, the organization did it well with how they did the video tribute and uh, sent him off. And uh, there, there were a lot of fans that, there were a lot of, from what I was told, there was a lot of season ticket holders there ready to say goodbye. There were a lot of signs out and a lot of support for him. So it was good. It was good. I, I Like I said, I haven't been around him that long. And with the Griffins organization, so it's hard for me to like connect and to him and uh, feel the same feelings like you guys do. But it's probably just like when Nick Lindstrom retired, like that was a sad day for me. Oh, one hundred percent. And I mean, again, before this game, the Griffins obviously well eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, not a good season. A lot of unhappy fans. It was a sellout. It was a sellout crowd for that final game. That doesn't happen if it's not you know to say goodbye to lash off. There was definitely lot of people who came out just for that exact reason so yeah because we weren't playing for anything at that point in time either god no there was nothing to play for we were trying to play spoiler yeah that how, how did that go oh let's get into it here because it didn't go well <laughs> leads, yeah leads us right in well actually i mean there was some big news that day too so they start off the morning announcing lash house retiring and then two hours later they bring the kid out Mr. Amadeus Lombardi. Yeah, so they announced Amadeus Lombardi coming to the team. Goes from Flint to Grand Rapids for the last two games of the season. And uh, it was very exciting for us after literally just watching him a week ago in Flint. 
to get to see him in a, his first pro game. And I don't know about you, I thought he fit in pretty well. He he did. He looked, it's funny because we've watched him against in the OHL and they're playing 16, 17 year old kids. And uh, we watched him go up and he's playing against 23, 24. Uh, how, how old is Slash? 32? Yeah. 30, <laughs> he's, yeah. 30 32. something. <laughs> and, uh, we see him uh, with these other guys, and it's uh, he's he's tidy. He is very tidy. He needs to put on some size. He needs to put on some weight. But he is extremely fast. Like just watching him, it was it was amazing just to see how his his speed translated from the OHL to the AHL. It's just it was amazing. I was impressed. Yeah, that kid is freaking fast, man. Um. I thought he fit in well. I don't think he tried to do anything too crazy, too flashy. He was, again, as we all know, very smart with the puck. Um, probably one of the smartest players that's in uh, prospect pool right now, maybe outside of Carter Mazur. Yeah, I was impressed. So to get into that game, game starts off. Obviously, it's lash-off retirement night. My favorite part of the pregame stuff besides the video and everything was the team coming out for warm-ups and copying his like starting routine altogether. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone on there doing the exact same stretch he does every single game, right as he does it, every single one of the players, including the goalies. Um, so that was cool. That was fun to see. And then we obviously got our first look at Lombardi, rocking number 82 for the Griffins. I don't know if that's going to be his permanent number or not. If it is, I hope so, because I want to order the jersey as soon as possible. Uh, <laughs> but we get into this game here. I hope here. it's not. I don't like that number, but who knows? AHL numbers are weird. Edmondson 77 here in Grand Rapids, and he's number three in Detroit, so you never know. So we get into this yeah. game here, and not tons going on in the first period here um, at first, and then about five minutes in, things get a little crazy. We have a fight. We have Rockford player getting a misconduct for his fight. Um of course, it was New Power again, you know, dropping the gloves. New Power laid a sick hit on a guy. Uh, it was interference, unfortunately, uh, but it was still a really nice hit. But then Rockford's guy got two for instigating, five for fighting, and a 10-minute misconduct in that as well when Wyatt just walked away with an interference and a, pe- or interference and a fighting penalty. Um, so nothing was really going on there, but then with like 11, 12 seconds left in the first, uh Lesby dumps the puck in. Amadeus turns on the Jets and starts going after the puck. He gets around the defenseman, gets to the puck behind the net, makes a really smart heads-up play, gets it over to Hiroshi's stick, and boom, we got a goal. Uh, Hiroshi gets his 16th of the year, and Lombardi gets his first pro point in his first pro game. And I think you and I collectively lost our minds at that point. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I was so stoked. I pretty much keyed on him the entire game. Like I was watching him. And figuring out where he was at, making sure, like, I could just tell he was his head was up the entire time, making sure he was smart defensively, getting back in the zone, going back up on the rush. Like he was just always in the right spot at the right time. Yeah, you could you could really tell his hockey IQ. I mean, I I don't typically key in on players. You know, like you watch games with me. I ju- I'm just there for the vibes. But I, like I was keyed on on Lombardi. Like I knew when he was out on the ice. I I, could, I was watching him the entire time. Yeah, and I will say for his first game, he really did have the perfect pairing to be paired up with. To be you know uh, to be paired with Les Perrant, uh Hiroshi, 
that wasn't going to be the... F- Edmonton. Uh, yeah, Edmonton. Well, Edmonton just happened to be out there a lot when he was out there. Um, but his actual pairing was Hiroshi, Shine, Lombardi as the forward pairing. So really good offensive player with Hiroshi there, and then a little bit of protection as well as a good offensive player in Shine. But every time I did look out there, yeah, all of a sudden you see the Shine's out there, Edmondson's out there. Uh, the big guys were out there protecting him, which was smart because... That game got pretty chippy. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. So that was it for the first period there. Uh, Griffins had five shots on goal to Rockford's nine. And we go on to the second here. And nine minutes in, Rockford ties the game. Lucas Reichel gets a goal there. That that sucked. That's uh, he's, he's such a good hockey player, unfortunately, for them. Um He's a very smart offensive player, does a lot of good things with the puck, and got his 18th of the season. And that was it for that period there. Nothing else crazy exciting happened. Uh, that one, Rockford has nine shots on goal. Griffins have eight, so pretty close period when it comes to that. And then three minutes into the third, Rockford takes the lead and an unassisted goal. And that was it for the game, unfortunately. They ended up winning 2-1. to one. We couldn't win it for Lash on that one. Not to say that the boys didn't try. Man, the puck was not getting on net where they were getting shots off. It was getting blocked left and right. I felt like we spent so much time in their offensive zone, but it just it just wasn't it wasn't getting to the net. Uh, Arvid Soderblom was in net for Rockford. He didn't have a very busy night. Griffins only had twenty shots on goal total, and he stopped nineteen of them. We want to talk about our goalie. Our goalie was fantastic that night. Yes. So. On our end and goal, we had Ryan Bednard got the start in this one. Stops 25 at 27, but man, he was incredible in that game overall. Uh, he was tracking the puck well. He he looked uh, uh, he didn't look out of place at all in a lot of the shots. I mean, I I was excited for this guy. He he played really really well. The I mean, there was one point where he the puck was up in the air and he like dove to catch it. <laughs> It was a, I think it was on the second yes. period. Yep. Uh, just a really good save. Yeah, that was really fun to see. Yeah, he was he was dialed into that puck. He knew where it was every single second. It was in front of him. Uh, he was seeing it very well. He was his positioning was perfect. He was definitely using his size to his advantage. He's a big dude. Uh, he was coming out far from the net trying to cut down those angles, kind of like you see Costa do. Um, he's he's. Raising the question, has he found an organization where he might stick next year? Yeah, so what's his situation? Like, I don't understand. You told me, so when we were in Toledo, we watched him play against Cosa. He was playing for Greenville. Who who does he, like, what's his situation? Yeah, so he's on loan here from Greenville. He's he's not in our organization? Like, our uh, he's not a draft pick? He's not a prospect or anything? No, so he was drafted in the 2015 draft. Uh, in the seventh round by the Florida Panthers. And he was playing with the Greenville Swamp Rabbits in the ECHL and then got put on loan to Grand Rapids. He's from he's a Michigan native. He's from Macomb. He's 26 years old. I don't know if he's still technically signed by Florida or not. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, if I could pull up cap friendly quick enough, I could figure it out, but I don't think I can. So the guy is huge. Like I'm surprised that we didn't draft this guy because of how Steve's been drafting big goalies. The, the guy's a monster in that. Yeah, I mean, what he's 6'5", 6'5", 207 pounds. He's a 
big dude. He's got a lot of games under his belt in the ECHL and a few in the AHL. I don't know. If he's not contracted, I don't see why the Griffins don't give this guy a shot. Pair him up with Kosa next year. Really? I mean, it's almost said and done at this point that Kosa is going to be in Grand Rapids next year. I think everybody is under that impression that he's made the right strides in Toledo this year to come to Grand Rapids. The question is, who is paired up with him? Every organization likes when they have one of their top prospect goalies in that in the AHL. They always want to pair him up with a veteran. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for this offseason then because we're going to get a new goalie coach. You've got Lethemin still in our system. You still have Bradstrom still in our system. You have, I mean, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in Detroit for their system too because they have Huso. And both backup goalies are unrestricted free agents, correct? So, okay, actually, this gets interesting. So you're talking about goalie contracts. Just to break it down, Huso's got three years remaining. Helberg was on his last year. He's an unrestricted free agent after this season. Nedeljkovic is an unrestricted free agent after this season. Lethemin is a restricted free agent at the end of this season. Victor Bradstrom is an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. If I'm Victor Bradstrom and I see the goalies coming up underneath me, where do you think he goes? I'm not resigning really with the Red Wings. Wherever his heart desires. It would suck. I hate saying that. I love Victor. You know I love Victor. It just makes sense when you think about it, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which kind of continues the report that he was going back overseas. Yeah. I mean, we've heard rumblings of it, but nothing is set so we won't know obviously until probably midway through the offseason who knows unless he starts playing overseas earlier than that uh yeah it's gonna be goalies and coaches is gonna be the interesting part of this offseason for sure because we don't i mean we're gonna assume ned's not re-signing right yeah i don't know you know i'm talking about bednard maybe finding his spot in his organ in this organization but who's to say that the wings don't somehow convince Helberg to stay in this organization and give him a two-way contract, and he's the tandem with Kosa and Grand Rapids. No, but you hit it perfectly. Like, coach and goalie is going to be probably our our crazy story for the offseason of what what happens because it definitely affects going up for Detroit, and it definitely affects going down for Toledo. <laughs> so both both scenarios affect both to, uh, both teams, so... It will be interesting this offseason. Something that we'll have to follow up. And I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, we'll have plenty to talk about with this one in the offseason. Because, like I said, if you want to pair Kosa up with a veteran, it's not Bednard, it's Helberg. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Very interesting to see. Then we can move on to uh, Saturday's game. Did you get to watch this game? Or no? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> I texted you. I thought the game was at 7. I got home at 6. And uh, you're like, no, I got it. You're, you're good. And I was like, oh, the game's at 8 o'clock. And then I passed out. <laughs> I was out till about 11, 12 o'clock at night. And then I woke back up. Or I woke up at that point And then I, I passed out till about <laughs> 7 o'clock this morning. So. Jesus. Yeah. I, uh, bro, well, the sickness is killing me. Slowly. Let me paint a picture for you of this game against the Chicago Wolves in Chicago on Saturday. It sucked. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give you the rundown here. 
as quick as uh, humanly possible for this game because this was this was painful. So first period, six minutes in, Chicago gets a power play goal off of a very questionable Trenton Bliss roughing penalty. Stupid. I don't really understand uh, what happened with that, but it happened. 11 minutes in, so just a few minutes later, Chicago gets a power play goal thanks to a Emil Vero holding penalty. And then why don't we just add another 30 seconds to that one and get another goal there. So Chicago's up 3-0, 11 minutes, 54 seconds into this game. Wow. <laughs> that one, not on the power play. So, hey, positive there. <laughs> and then 17 minutes into the first, why not make it a 4 nothing Chicago lead on the power play? <laughs> at, at this point, do you think that Ben Simon knows he's playing for his job right here? Um, I'll get into that because my biggest <laughs> gripe with this game was what the absolute heck were these line pairings that he had going on. But I'll get there in a second. What? Um, oh, no. <laughs> yep. Second period comes around a minute 50 into it. We're on the power play at this point. And, of course, who else but Joel Esperance tips a puck in from Danny O'Regan in front of the net, parked in front of the net in the power play as he usually is. Um, so Griffin's finally get on the board there at this point. And that was it for scoring in this game. So four power play goals total. Three of them were Chicago. Chicago went three for three on the power play. We went one for five. Wow. John Lesseman wow. got the start in this one. He played 17 minutes, 40 seconds. He let in, he saved 11 shots. Or Sorry, he made seven saves on his 11 shots. Four goals on 11. Ouch. Bednard came in. Stopped 18 of 18 for the rest of the game. Oh, looking good. Looking good. Again, Bernard has been playing so well. Were they were they like bad shots that left him and landed, or were they like could no. you not fault you couldn't fault him? He's on the he's on the penalty kill. Um two, right? two or three of the four I could fault him. They were so soft. They were bad. Oh. He looked rattled in this game for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know if he's just ready to go back to the ECHL and get his game back and go on this playoff run. I don't know what the heck was happening with him, and that's where I don't even know why in my head I was questioning why the goalie coach got fired. Like, something clearly happened in this game. So, I I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. Positives in this game, if I had to find something in this disaster, was Amadeus Lombardi's play. (laughs) His second pro game disaster. Yeah, something in this disaster. His second pro game. They're playing Chicago, who has to win at this point to keep their playoffs alive. We know Chicago is a big, tough, rough team to play against. He did not get himself into trouble. He did not put himself in weird spots. He had four shots on goal, uh, second most on the team in the game. Yep, Lesperance had the most at seven. Jeez, Lesby was putting the puck on net. Uh, but yeah, he is. Lombardi had multiple points where he had scoring chances. He was like, I don't know if you saw the the heat map that Prashant Iyer had tweeted out about uh, Lombardi's scoring in Flint, but he gets to those dirty areas in front of the net, in the slot. He gets to that area, and that's where he's scoring from. He's scoring from that difficult area. Every single time he had a scoring chance in this game, he was in that difficult area again, making smart moves with the puck, didn't turn it over much. 
He had one which looked like a sure thing. This was going to be his first pro goal, and it took two Chicago Wolves players to take him down. Oh, jeez. Yeah, he's he fit right in after he had his long OHL season, a long, tough seven-game series in Saginaw, or against Saginaw, and plays two games in the AHL. and looks like he fit right in. Even for someone his size, he was doing great. Um, I think even Bob kept mentioning it throughout the broadcast, just how well he was playing. And it's so unfortunate that the players like Carter Mazur and William Wallander were not playing in this game because to see those three together, if I could have seen a moment where there was Mazur and Lombardi on the ice at the exact same time, I probably would have fainted because they're that good of oh players. Oh, gosh. That I'm so ex- it's going to be amazing. They're so good. I'm so, ex- I'm so excited for it for next season. <laughs> yeah. So excited. I cannot wait to see these three together. It's going to be incredible, man. Yeah, this wrapped up the season. That was it. I have no further comments on this game. The Griffins tried their best with this, but the line combination, the decision-making before this game put them in the hole already. So Brian Lashoff took this game off. He did not travel. I don't know if he traveled with the team or not, but he did not play this game. The Griffins rolled with five defensemen to go with this game. They had added an extra forward, went five defensemen. That right there, you're already like, okay, what the heck? Lombardi's pairing. That's so strange. Yeah, it was strange. Lombardi's pairing the night before, which worked really well, was Shine, Hirose, and himself, right? Yep. I'm looking up in the game, and he is on the ice with Pearson and I think Bliss at one point. Like, that's weird. His pairing did not make sense at all. He was not paired up with the guys that he just had success with the night before. The defensive pairings. Made no sense. And what sucked at one point in this, too, New Power took a shot, which looked like he blocked it with his wrist or something. He looked like Bertuzzi for a moment there. He goes off the ice. He he goes straight to the locker room after he takes the shot. All of a sudden, the Griffins are down to four defensemen halfway through the second period. But Wyatt's the guy oh, he geez. is and is a warrior and comes back out and finishes the game. You definitely tell he was injured. I don't know what happened. They didn't say at the end of the broadcast, but... There was so many coaching questionable moments in this game where you're just like, yeah, this is why Ben Simon's gone. 100%. This is why he's no longer the coach of the Griffins. This game summed up his whole last season perfectly. Oh, no. It did. <laughs> uh, but Lombardi was a shining... I'm glad I didn't watch it. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't either. Uh, Lombardi was a shining moment in this, and some of the other guys as well, you know, Lesby, Hiroshi, O'Regan... All played well. Vero had quite a few chances where he was on the rush with the team, uh, getting in there, getting in the dirty areas, trying to make things happen too. He had a very good game as well. So I saw that Friday night too. He was like right in. He was just going after it. He was a dog, um, just attacking every spot in that left uh, behind the goal on the left side, he was just going at it. He was just trying to get every loose puck that he could get. And I was just like, get it, Vera. Like, I don't know. I I never noticed it before, but maybe it's just, I don't know. Maybe I was just paying more attention to it last night or uh, Friday night. I don't know. But um, yeah, he just, it was just like a dog going after a ball. It was, it was good to see. He got an assist in this game and he had two shots on goal and he was plus minus. He was at a zero. So he was, he was even for the game in a game that they got four goals scored on him in the first. So, uh, Firo, and yeah, that wraps up the Griffin season right there. It's it done, game over. So I don't know how to feel. I'm sad. I'm sad it's over, but I'm also 
happy it's over because now we can obviously move on and move on from these coaches, move on from a rough year and get get hyped and ready for next season. We will be doing a full season recap episode probably next week. Uh, we'll talk about some of the highs, a lot of the lows, and then a lot of the shining uh, stars that are coming out of this organization suddenly. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that one. I'm excited for that one. I know you are too, because I know you have plenty of thoughts and feelings that you want to want to get out there. It's going to be like a therapy session episode. I have a feeling. There's a lot of vibes to go over. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of vibes to go over. You suck. I hate you. Um, and we might actually. Well, we'll probably put out two episodes next week. We'll probably just do one big episode of our season recap, and then we'll go over everything else that's going on in Toledo and uh, everywhere else. Yeah, but we figured out this recording remotely thing. We can actually put out a little bit more content. Yeah, we'll we'll probably do that because uh, this the season was a long one, and uh, there was there's a lot to there's a lot to recap. So especially it was our first season as a season ticket holder, so that was a little a little fun. It was fun, a little different. But now. Let's talk about the team that will at least still be playing uh, for hopefully many more weeks here. Toledo Walleye. They had three games this weekend. Three games this weekend. They started off Friday in Kalamazoo. So we we had the opportunity to possibly go to that one instead of going to the Griffs. But we, we had to you know, lash off any day, so we had to go, we had to go support the Griffs. The uh, K-Wigs... I took this one, unfortunately, to Toledo. So this one ended 6-2. to two. Toledo had 14 shots on that the first period, 10 in the second, 8 in the third, and Kalamazoo had 8 in the first, 12 in the second, and 8 in the third. So it was pretty even. I mean, Toledo had 32 shots total to Kalamazoo's 28. Brandon Hawkins started it off with a power play goal in the first. Kalamazoo tied it up. Second period... Toledo came out right away, short-handed goal by Thomas Ebbing and assisted by John Albert, and then Kalamazoo just took it. I don't know what happened here, but uh, they rattled off four straight goals. Then in the third, they finished off with another goal. It looks like when I'm looking at these penalties, too, is that Kalamazoo had one penalty in the first, which is how Hawkins got his uh, goal. But the second period, there was three penalties against Toledo and then one against Kalamazoo. So it looks like these goals were, one was a power play goal against them. So I don't know what happened in that second period, but things kind of went off off the hook. The uh, third period was pretty chippy. You had two, two penalties against Toledo and then had four against Kalamazoo. Another one against... Toledo and then there was just a lot of roughing calls and fighting majors so it got really chippy um it probably was a fun game to be at to be honest if we would have went to that one who we had in net that night was Mr. Kosa started for part of the game for part of the game yeah so Kosa was in for he had 15 saves five goals against, and then Jan Bednar had seven saves and one goal against. So Kosa started and got pulled. Rough outing for him for that night. Yeah, uh, he got pulled and Bednar, Bednar, I, can't, I almost called him Bednard. <laughs> Bednar and Bednard. I hate this. Uh, I, Bednar came in, and yeah, that's uh, 
that's how that game went. That was, uh, I definitely saw quite a few panic moments uh, from Toledo fans on Twitter in that game, really wondering what the heck was going on. It was ugly. To, yeah, Toledo's had a rough stretch, but I think a lot of it's just based off of Grand Rapids having a lot of their players because Detroit has a lot of Grand Rapids players. So I think once they, I mean, today they announced a bunch of players getting reassigned to Toledo, so this should help them with their playoff streak um, or their playoff push. So yeah, because I think I think one of the part one of the parts I had uh, for this game to talk about, I was like, should we be concerned for the playoffs? But I yeah. I don't think we should be concerned at all. This team's going to be a powerhouse. But then they played against Kalamazoo in Toledo on Saturday, right? Yeah, in the bank tank. So this game was scoreless in the first. Toledo had nine. It was scoreless in the first? Yes, scoreless in the first. You've had Toledo had nine shots on the first. Kalamazoo had ten. Toledo had 14 shots in the second to Kalamazoo's 10. And then in the third period, Toledo had 14 to Kalamazoo's 6. With a total of 37 shots for Toledo to 26 for Kalamazoo. Second period was got was the crazy period for this period. For this game again, too, against Kalamazoo, which was weird. But you had uh, Kalamazoo rattle off three straight goals. And then Charlie Curdy... Got us on the board with a power play goal. And then Riley McCourt scored a few minutes, about a minute after. And then the third period, Hawkins comes out, scores 32 seconds in. And then Andrew Stewart's comes out and gets another one. So that was the game-winning goal. Penalties, like, they, (laughs) they didn't leave anything in Kalamazoo. They brought it all back over to Toledo. Because that first period, there was a ton of... Roughing penalties, a ton of penalties altogether. Um, of counting them up, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight penalties in that first period. Uh, it calmed down after there was only a peri- uh, penalty in the second, and then a penalty in the third. So it was a yeah. It, I mean, it started off right from where they left off in the uh, Kalamazoo, which is pretty funny. Goalie, it started off. Uh, Kosa sat that night. Uh, gave him the rest, and then Jan Bednar came in, and he had 23 saves, three goals against, with the 88.46 save percentage. So uh, Jan got to start. Does doesn't seem like he did that that bad uh, starting off that night. Oh, that's his first pro win. First pro win. So that's a, a big moment for him. Yeah. And this game was pretty cool. Toledo was rocking these IHL Toledo Gold Digger. Uh, throwback jerseys and again you know how we see specialty jerseys in the AHL we just see the jersey change and nothing else changes so the Griffiths will throw on a a purple jersey with red pants or something like that Toledo went all out for this one and they looked sick Um, I was a fan and yeah they they did a good job with this, this whole throwback thing here everyone's hoping they do a Toledo Storm throwback now next season so that would be pretty cool. I don't know if you ever were ever aware of the Toledo Storm, but their jerseys were sick. No. So, what do they look like? They were they had a white one and a red one, um, and they were dope. I loved them. I'll I'll send you some pictures of them later. Their logo was cool too. Are they like? Are they like the Carolina Hurricanes? No. Oh. I'll send you some. If I had a way to pop a picture up here for you, I would. But I'm not right next to you, so I can't. 
But I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was a good comeback for this team because I know again I I was I was obviously following the Griffins game closely during this time, uh, but still you know throwing stuff on Twitter about the walleye as much as I could. And I'm pretty sure when they went down three nothing, I had retweeted on the podcast. I was like, guys, guys, guys! Like, what are you doing? And a couple of their fans were like in panic mode as well. And then all of a sudden, they turned on the Jets, remembered who they are, and they crushed them. It was a good comeback for them. Set them up for their final game of the season today. I mean, I th- I feel like it speaks a lot to the coaching staff too. And you're down three nothing, and you're able to come back to to win it. I mean, that's. I don't know. That's that's huge. I feel, yeah. especially when the team has been so topsy turvy lately with all of the call ups and injuries and stuff like that. They still found a way to win it. Still got to fight. Yeah, it was impressive, and yeah, you just said it. it definitely speaks to the coaching staff. I agree with that take one hundred percent. To be as depleted as they are and have a comeback win, yes, it's just playing Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo is not a playoff team, um, but Kalamazoo was definitely out to uh, piss a few playoff teams off in this weekend because they played Indy today. And that game was rough and tough from what I saw. So they were out to go out with a bang on their season. But while I got to play, who did we play today? We played today our greatest rivals, (laughs) Fort Wade Comets. Oh, boy. Which I hear Fort, Fort Wade's not that far from us, buddy. It's like an hour and a half. Oh, so what are you saying? We could actually go to a Fort Wade game. You're saying if they play them in the second round, we're going to go behind enemy lines? Oh, that'd be that'd be tough. But yeah, we could do that. How far is the Indy Fuel away from here? I'm curious. I think Indy's about three hours. Oh, never mind. I'd have to double check. I'd rather but... drive to the bank tank for that. Yeah, uh, Fort Wade's closer than Toledo, so we could actually go to we could actually go to Fort Wade, and they have a nice arena, from what I understand too. So. Uh, I was talking to a guy at work, and he goes, yeah, you, you need to go down to Fort Wayne. Like, uh, he goes, it's not as far as you think it is. Like, it's for, it's just as far as us going to Detroit. That's another arena off the list. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'm going to try to go to Muskegon this weekend. So, I know some Griffin fans are going over there, too. So, uh, <laughs> that'll be fun to see. Yeah, so we played, we played Fort Wayne today. Fort Wayne. It was a crazy game. It was a crazy game. Not the way you want to end the season. Uh, <laughs> Fort Wayne took this one from us 3-2 in overtime. We got the point. So Toledo started us. Oh, well, sorry. We had f- shots on that. Toledo had nine in the first. Fort Wayne had 12. We had six in the second. Fort Wayne had 10 in the second. And then Toledo had thir- Sorry, 18 in the third. Jesus. And then, yeah, they saved all the shots for the final. And then 12, four way had 12 in the third. Yeah, it's very weird to go from 9, 6, and then 18. Uh, yeah, everything else was pretty balanced. Overtime, two shots on that for Toledo, three for Fort Wayne. Totaled up to 35 for Toledo, 37 for Fort Wayne. Uh, Fort Wayne started us off with the scoring. Uh, Gordy Green got the power play goal in the first to tie it up. Comets came back in the third, and then Andrew Stewart's tied it again. So another game time goal for him, back to back nights. And then uh Comets finished it off in overtime. Penalties. First period was pretty chippy. 
Toledo had two penalties, so the Comets had two penalties as well. None of them were offsetting. And then uh, second period, Comets had one. Third period, Toledo had one. So uh, pretty even back and forth for power play. The uh, goalie that we had in net for that game was Mr. Kosa. Uh, 34 saves, 91.89 save percentage. And he led it the three goals. Not a bad game for him, but not a not a great game overall for the team. But again, it's one of those games that really doesn't matter because your playoff seating's already set. You're just trying to get the win for the hometown crowd at that point. And it sucks they couldn't close one more out, but I know that hometown crowd's going to be seeing some more wins here in the playoffs for sure. Yeah, because that was their like 29th out of 34 sh- game shut sellouts. Yeah. It was their 15th sellout in a row. Jesus. I'm sure every playoff game is going to be a sellout, too. There's no way. Yeah, I'm nervous about trying to get tickets for that. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out uh, soon. Sooner than later. But that closes out Toledo's regular season. Uh, A fantastic, amazingly successful season for that team. Very impressed with what we've seen from them, their coaching staff, their players, especially after the Griffins just picked them apart. Uh, towards the end of the season here. They had that crazy 18-game win streak. Uh, their regular was nothing but a success, and that organization has done a fantastic job with that team. And with the Griffins missed in the playoffs, we're going to help them out and repay the favor of them keeping us uh, as an active hockey team <laughs> for the last half of the season here. Yeah. And they get seven players back from Grand Rapids, which is way, way more than I thought we were sending back down. I know a lot of Toledo fans were very nervous. It's like a whole lineup. Um, essentially, yes. The list the list goes as this. Uh, John Letheman, Seth Barton, Donovan Sobrango, Emil Vero, Trenton Bliss, Kirill Tatayev, and Drew Warad, all heading back to Toledo. I forgot or don't even know if Vero played any games in Toledo this season. I don't recall that. Well, there's a five-game minimum that they uh, they have to play down there to be on the roster unless oh, he might have actually qualified as the uh, as an amateur. So that's what they were saying about Lombardi too. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I looked at this. I just pulled up his uh, Vero's profile real quick. He got exactly five games in with Toledo, and he had three assists while he was down there. Was that the beginning of the season? It must have been. It had to have been at the beginning of the season. I don't recall this at all. But with what we've seen from Vero here in Grand Rapids over the last second half of the season, Toledo's getting another good one. They are going to have some difficult roster decisions to make down there for the going into the playoffs. But holy depth they're about to have also going into the playoffs. Yeah, this is going to be exciting to be able to follow them and see how far they go with the Kelly Cup. I'm hoping that they, they, they take it all. I mean... They deserve it after the crazy season that they've had for all of those ones in a row. And they were so close last year. They were so close. So getting Johnny back, hopefully he's good mentally after the <laughs> season he's had at Grand Rapids. <laughs> and uh, getting all these you know, big defensemen back and Kirill. I mean, Kirill and Drew Warren were just killing it up down there too. So it'll be good for them to go back, go back to T-Town, have some fun play some playoff hockey, be back with the boys. I mean, that's that'll be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, Kirill had 47 points in 30-something games down there. And Warren <laughs> had 25 and 25. And Bliss had a bunch, too. I mean, oh, this uh, 
They're stacked, man. They uh, have all the pieces they possibly need and one heck of a coach to get it done with, too. So this is this is exciting. I'm excited about it. Their fans are definitely excited about it. I saw a lot of eyes of relief when the Griffins posted those seven guys going back down there. Um, they, their prayers were answered. And again, they have a lot of difficult decisions to make with that roster, but I trust that coaching staff down there to make the right ones. So should be a good time. We're going to have to figure out how to set up the package to be able to watch these games because there's no way I'm not watching these games. No shot. I need to be able to watch these. Oh, yeah. So... Outside of that, man, that's it for this week. Uh, this is quick round for us because what we recorded, what, Monday or Tuesday this last week? So we don't have a full crazy 10 days to talk about. It's the end of the season for the Griffins and end of the regular season for the Walleye. So we don't even have OHL to talk about because the Firebirds are done. So, yeah. Anything else you want to add to this week, though? Jersey auction. You want to talk, you want to talk Jersey I auction? I know you were... I know you were riled up about it on Friday, or on Friday, yeah, Friday. So, and then Ben Simon news today came out, so you've kind of softened your mood a little bit on the uh, on the Jersey right, auction. Well, you got me riled up already, so let's talk about it real quick. Well, because we, we always end with a small topic, we've got to end something. All right. So, well, wait, I want to. So the first, the first Jersey auction I want to talk about is Toledo auctioned off theirs, correct? The Gold Diggers ones. Yes, they auctioned off the gold diggers. And that's the one that went for twenty three hundred dollars. Yeah, you say Gord was it Gordy Meyer? He went for twenty three hundred. I I believe it was Gordy Meyer for twenty three hundred. Holy crap, dude. Okay. Well I'm glad we didn't see those prices in the last one here in Grand Rapids. No, that's hundred percent right. That's the picture you sent uh yep. sent us. Yeah. So that's insane. Good for them. I mean like I said, those jerseys were sick. I you know when we saw like little like clip art size picture of one we were like eh whatever um, and obviously there's a crazy history with those jerseys with that team when they wore them on the ice and everything was put together the way it was those jerseys were sick I would have I would have bought one but not for 2300 <laughs> really more like three grand uh, no thank you I'll pass <laughs> uh, but I will I you know I will keep an eye out because Toledo posts in the Dash Auction app. They post their game issued, but not game worn ones from those games in there. They leave them up for like a week. Uh, like right now, the Scooby Doo jerseys for like Lethemon, Warad, and Bliss are all available on there. And I've definitely been keeping my eye on those. I think they have two days left as of recording this right now. And the, what are they up to? I'm um, looking at Warads right now. Is at three forty only. Um, Bliss is at four ten. And let them in is at 460. So, I mean, they're all game issued. I don't think they're signed or anything because those guys, maybe they'll sign them before they get back there. Who knows? Respectable. Yeah. I mean, they're all very fair prices for those. Those jerseys were cool, man. I'm, I'm a fan of those. So, but the. I'm not, I'm not getting a Scooby Doo one. I can't, I don't know. I can't bring myself to that one. That's fine. That's all. That's you. That's not me. <laughs> I'm yeah, just kidding. I'm just yeah. kidding. But. The Griffin's jersey auction for the red and white GRG crest jerseys that they wore uh, every Friday at home for the first half of the season. And I think we saw them in a couple away games at the end of the season. This auction irritated the crap out of I honestly can't remember them ever wearing them. You can't remember year. them wearing them? Oh, you didn't go to Friday. Oh, yeah, you did go to Friday. Yeah, I went to Friday games. How do you not remember? 
It's the only time they ever wore them. Every Friday at home. I don't know. I don't know. But I really like them, and I really wanted one, and I was going to go all in on a Lombardi one. Like, that was my... That's the one I wanted. That's the one I was going for. And it went for the... It was Some, the, Somebody else went all yeah, in, Yeah, it was the <laughs> highest price jersey that night, I believe. Uh, yes, it was the highest price jersey. What did it end at? 1700? 17 1750 something like that. I just... Uh. Which is awesome. Good, Dude, that kid looked so overwhelmed standing there holding his jersey while people did the auction, and he looked... Like shocked at that price that kind of went up and up and up and up. <laughs> yeah, he did. And it was funny. So I was messaging Jess over at Flint and I told her that I was like, I'll let you know what it goes for. I'm going all in for it. And uh, she goes, they, he takes forever. He takes forever from the showers. And so like they were, they held up Zane the entire time to auction it off because they were waiting on him to get, to get out of the shower and get, to get the jersey back out. So um yeah and i was talking to some flint people and they were they're bidding up on it as well and uh it just i can't believe it seventeen hundred dollars for a jersey i feel like i should have bid on it (laughs) i thought you were going to keep going but you also made a smarter financial decision uh to not do that yeah and and they do a jersey kind of similar to this one each year uh when i was talking to joe he said the same thing uh, he has a couple of these that look just like this. This is a jersey that they've worn before, but then they just always auction this one off at the end of the season. He didn't get one, did he? Joe did not get anything. No, you ended up getting one. You you got one. Yeah. I was happy I got with mine. My Wallander one. I haven't gotten it yet. I'm very happy that you got a Wallander one. Yeah, they had to sew the name bar back on for it. Yeah. yeah I, one, I really wanted a player one. I had my eye on Wallander's in the morning and I knew I wanted to get Lombardi and if I could get Lombardi I knew I had to go in on a on another one and Wallander was my second choice so I was I was glad I got that one and I'll probably wear that one too a lot of the games between that one and my red kettle one I like those two jerseys the most oh heck yeah they're two fantastic jerseys they look sick just the red the white and they they kind of look silverish a little bit when they were on the ice I don't. Oh, in the right lighting, yeah, I, I get that. I get that vibe from them. I I'm ecstatic. Like I bought other jerseys that I didn't really like. I bought them because I could. <laughs> like, uh, like the like the purple one looks kind of cool, but it's not it's not something that I would wear. The other one that I have, oh, the twenty five twenty fifth celebration one. Like, eh, it, I I wasn't in love with it. It was cool to. It's a collector thing, but the this crest one i was i've been eyeing all year i i really am happy with this one and I'm, i was glad i got the wallander one because i think he'll be a big deal well, good for you yeah and i i tried to get this uh, i was i was tempted to get the simon one because it was a pretty low price at, at one point yeah edmonton's didn't go for anything too too crazy like we've seen his jerseys go in the past this season i think so, 1300 yeah we've seen him break two grand so yeah but you had a very different experience. Oh, I had an experience that just pissed me off. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I set a limit for myself, right? I was being responsible in, in what I could spend money on and, you know, just making sure I got something that wasn't just me buying the jersey to buy the jersey. There was a couple players I had my eye on. Wallander was the first one, but it got out of my range. Then I start going after a McIsaac one because I like McIsaac. I like McIsaac a lot. 
So McIsaacs was done through the Dash app, and Dash, for those that don't know, have has an overtime feature that if someone else bids like in the last, I guess like 10, 15 seconds or whatever, it sends you both to overtime and you each place your final bid, highest bidder wins. So I'm holding on. I'm still leading the McIsaac one, have the highest bid. I see five seconds left. I'm like, okay, everything's good. Clock hits zero. The page refreshes, which I'm thinking it's going to say you won. And all of a sudden it says somebody else placed a bid and they won. No overtime, nothing. All of a sudden it was just gone. Just like that. I was furious. I'm like, this makes no sense. Because then we went for that Matt Luff one later on. Very similar situation happened. The app goes to overtime. I don't win that one. Someone definitely wanted that more than me. Uh, Yeah, I got screwed. I don't know what happened with that. If the app just glitched or whatever. I was talking to Joe. Joe said he's had stuff like that happen to him in the past too with this app. And he hates it just as much. Um, That's the first time I've seen it. Any other jersey, like the Les Perrants one I got at the beginning of the season, that went to overtime. It worked properly. Uh, Yeah, that was crazy. And then we're told through the grapevine of who's going to be at the end of the game. And... Two of the ones at the end of the game were supposed to be Sabrango and Bliss, which I like both of those players too. So the Bliss one goes first, and I'm like, no, I'm going to probably hold off for Donovan. I kind of want his just a little bit more. Blisses didn't go for anything crazy. I think it went for like 400 bucks. Definitely within the range of what I wanted to. Definitely could have walked away with it, but I held off for Sabrango, and that jersey never happened. His jersey did not get auctioned off whatsoever. I don't know why. It, it was weird. I... Like, I felt like Zane was kind of confused about what was going on as well. Like, I think he had all anticipation of, like, there was going to be four jerseys, and he was ready to auction off four jerseys, and he only had three. Like, it was It was super weird. It was also weird in this one, too. There was no Griff, no Finn, uh, no Team Sign one. uh, No Blank ones. No Blank ones. I I kind of expected the no Blank ones, because this is stuff they wear throughout the entire season. And that's kind of why I had a feeling your Wallander one uh, wasn't ready because he didn't even play that night. So yeah, it uh no lash off. Well, there wasn't no lash off. You're right. I didn't even think about that. I thought they were going to auction it off at the end. I thought that was going to go for big money. And uh, maybe he got to keep. I mean, if he got to keep that one, good for him. That's makes sense. You know, is that uh, that makes sense for that one not to be auctioned, but. Sabrangos, I don't really understand what happened there. Super disappointed because I think with the way things were going that night, it would have fallen into the range that I would have wanted to pay for it and would have loved to have walked away with that one as he's been one of my favorites this whole season. Yeah, it was kind of a disappointing ending. Um, Again, it's just one of those situations where you're like, you don't really know what happened with it and it's a bummer, but I guess it is what it is. It's over now and save me some money. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just left a bad bad taste in my mouth after a rough season, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, at least it, it helped today with the news. Yeah, today's news did make everything a little bit better. So, outside of that... Felt like a nice warm hug. <laughs> I think that's what Lethamin's going to need from Kosa when he gets down there. Goalie hug. Just a big old warm goalie hug from that gigantic dude. <laughs> The, the big old monster sea bass. Yup. But yeah, man, this week, that's all I've got. What about yourself? Anything else you'd like to add? It was great meeting Elaine and Rinaldi at the game. Oh my God, we didn't even talk about that yet. That was cool. I was glad to meet them. They were super cool. 
I look forward to working and talking to them more in the future. Yeah, super cool people. I'm glad uh, we got to make that happen and get to meet them and chat with them a little more even after the game now. So uh, be fun people to keep in contact with this offseason as the craziness ensues, especially uh, Mr. Rinaldi as the Chicago Wolves go independent. So uh, picking his brain on stuff and hearing from him, (laughs) that'll be really interesting. And then, of course, Elaine, too, as she covers Grand Rapids and the Cleveland Monsters as well. Um, So hearing what's going on in in that realm, especially with the craziness that's happened in Columbus over the season and where they're going to land draft lottery and all that stuff. She'll be a great person to pick the brain of when it comes to hockey. Super, super good writer. Both of them are. So I'm excited for the new friends we keep making through this podcast. It's fun. It's crazy how the connections continue to connect. So I'm excited. I'm excited for next season and see what happens um, with the coaching and with the players and connections and see where we go from here. I mean, we have a whole off season to cover still of content that we're going to come up with too. So I'm excited. I just need to feel better. <laughs> yeah, you need to rest up and get better so one can record in person again. Cause... All right. Well, if that's all we've got this week, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, hop on Twitter to keep up with all of our craziness and all the stuff that we're out doing. Uh, give us a like. Give us a follow. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Follow Nick on Twitter at GR Hockey Guy. Follow me, Brandon, GR Hockey. And yeah, everyone else, just have a good week. We'll talk to you guys next week and we'll have some first round Toledo walleye action to talk about. So. Get excited for that. Anything else from you, though, Nick, before we sign off? Love you all. Bye. (laughs) Nick loves you all. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to the Hockeytown West podcast. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at HockeytownWPod and your host, Nick, at GRHockeyGuy and Brandon at BrandonGRHockey.